Reflections from Torch Trust, focusing on Christian faith and sight loss. Hello and a warm welcome to Reflections, the show from Torch Trust, which focuses on faith and disability in today's world. I'm your host, Marilyn Baker, and we're looking forward to spending the next half hour with you. Now, I wonder how many of you are gardeners, because today's show is all about getting out there and showing off your green thumbs. But what has that got to do with Christianity and disability? Well, I think you may be surprised to find out that the answer is quite a lot. Intriguing, eh? But before we get into all that, let's have a song. This is In the Garden by Rosemary Siemens. Yeah. 
to our producer Grace who spoke to the Reverend David Palmer about elderberries a wonderful community gardening project which takes place in the grounds of a care home in Leicestershire. Thank you for joining me David. Um, So I wanted to talk to you about the elderberries community gardening project today. Can you first of all just for anyone who may not have heard of a project like this can you tell us what it is please? Well There is a big recognition within the Church of England, who I work with now as an ordained priest, uh, that the traditional inherited church that we all know and love meets on a Sunday morning, uh, particularly when the Anglican circles is dying on its feet. And uh, certainly the parish system as it stands is severely under threat of disappearing under the waves. So there's been a lot of uh, time, effort, prayer, resources going to think about how do we connect with the 93% of the UK population who have no connection with church. And so this particular diocese, the Leicester Diocese, has been pioneering new models of being church. And there's a whole range out there um, from messy church to cafe church. Elderberry is, is another one. Uh, I have a background in, in horticulture and the opportunity, and I always like to sort of play to my own experience, uh, thinking about, well, how do we engage with people in the community around something that's creative very, and very appropriate without trying to sort of force them through the door or force our faith upon them, but gradually uh, help them to explore the meaning, the significance of the Christian faith them today. So how did the care home come to be involved? About six years ago I was invited to go down to a care home called Lentil House and I had to go and meet someone and as I was leaving I was talking to the man in arrest and I asked the question how many residents are there here who are living here and she said to me 49 and then she said to me uh, how many of those 49 do you think get regular visitors? By that she meant every week. And so I said, well, of 49, maybe 12 at most. And she said, no, only four. Oh, no. I was shocked by that. And I find it scandalous that people have been abandoned uh, into these care homes, much as staff do care for them and look after them. They, they've been dropped and abandoned there and basically left to to die. And I think sort of seeing loneliness there, acute loneliness, really struck struck a chord with me, but also having worked with Torch for 11 years and seeing people who losing their sight. Uh, and as the RIB said, the biggest issue for people losing their sight later in life is social exclusion. 
and loneliness. And I also saw that firsthand with my own mother, who was a very active, gregarious woman living in a small village in Northumberland and um, suffered a series of mini strokes. And suddenly her whole world closed in and she became terribly, terribly lonely, almost to the point of being suicidal. Oh, no. And then walking around the premises, they have a large garden area, which was largely overgrown. And thinking about, well, how do we create a space here, a thin place between earth and heaven, whereby people can come together of every generation, every background, of every faith, and every gardening experience <laughs> to work together, to share together, to do life together, and to start exploring something of the Christian faith, the Christian God. And what did you start with initially? So initially, we uh, started something in the courtyard, which is a very secure area for the residents. There was already established five beds there, again, overgrown, which we cleared and made into a, a multi-sensory, dementia-friendly garden. And that's been a great asset for a lot of residents. But then that sort of further developed and uh, a big space, which we were given to work upon. We've um, introduced and built eight raised beds We've completely cleared two huge beds and planted up with a series of fruit trees. And then we've had funding from different sources all over the community. I even got uh, some funds from uh, <laughs> the Scottish ballroom dancing, which I've never done in my life. <laughs> I know someone who does that. And they were raising funds for a local charity and she put our name forward. Oh. <laughs> I got £150. Wow. Pounds. And that was my song, The Mention of Your Name. You're listening to Reflections from Torch Trust. We'll be hearing more from David later in the show, but now it's time to welcome Reverend Hannah Jeffrey for her lovely series on retreats. We've been airing this series for a few weeks now, so if you've missed any of the previous instalments, you can catch up on YouTube. Just search for St Giles Desborough. Hi, here's uh, the next one in my uh, sabbatical series um, where I'm inviting you to come and join me on my mini retreat. Today I want to go back to the theme of intimacy, which actually for me I think was the greatest gift that I received whilst on my silent retreat, that gift of intimacy uh, with God. And I just want to um, talk to you about two uh, different experiences I had of that. The first one was when I was sitting in one of the prayer rooms um, in the retreat centre and in there there was a, a little statue of Jesus on the cross but kind of nestled under his arm as he was on the cross was a woman who I think was probably supposed to be Mary but I'm not absolutely sure um, and the woman was looking up at Jesus and he was looking down at her it was like that they were just looking at each other, just gazing, just being together. Now, of course, that's a hugely poignant thing because Jesus was in agony on the cross. And yet even then he was nestling and holding what I, I think was probably his mother. But it was that eye contact, you know, making direct eye contact with them, someone and just looking. That's a very intimate thing, isn't it? It reminds me, I've shared before with you about those lovely words of, of the man he was found in a church just sitting day after day and he was asked what are you doing and he's just he just kind of said well I'm just looking at God and he's looking at me um, and that was that just that that beautiful sense of 
How how do I just in my prayer time, do I just gaze into the love of God's eyes and allow him to gaze lovingly into mine? And then the second picture was one that is in, was in one of the prayer chapels. There are many spaces for prayer in the retreat centre, and this was another one. Um, and it was a picture of Jesus washing one of his disciples' feet. I'd never seen this particular uh, picture before, but I found it incredibly moving. And um, I think partly what was moving about it is that Jesus was was kneeling at the disciples' feet, and the disciple concerned had his had his head kind of resting on Jesus's shoulder, um, with his with his arm also just touching Jesus. So there was that mutual touch if you like. And touch again is such an intimate thing, isn't it? Um, so as Jesus was washing and touching his disciples' feet, the disciple was kind of coming in close. And again, for me, I, I found that profoundly moving of that kind of being bound with Jesus together. Um, again, kind of going back to that theme I, I spoke about a couple of times ago, about that kind of mutual interdependence, about being being togetherness, the, the togetherness of the touch and the intimacy. And and for me, there was just something about that gift that actually Jesus wants to be close to me. He wants that. Jesus wants to be close to you. What does it mean for you to have Jesus that close, to have Jesus just gazing at you in love? What does it mean to have him kneeling at your feet, gently just washing your feet lovingly, touching you? And you laying your head on his shoulder as he does that. Beautiful, beautiful moment. I think we only really come to those moments when we do consciously make the time for them. Because our busy lives can just mean that we shut them out. We don't give them the time. And so I'm kind of taking us back to almost where I started um, a few weeks ago as I was doing this mini, little mini-series and saying, again this week, just go back. Just to spending time. Just imagine Jesus looking lovingly at you. There might be things you need to say sorry for to kind of clear the space. Sometimes that happens. In fact, pretty, pretty much always that happens. We need to kind of just say, I'm sorry. I know I, I haven't got it all right. But that's okay. Because actually, Jesus still looks at us lovingly. And he wants us to be in that intimate space. He longs for that. And so often we don't give it to him. So are you going to do that this week? Just sit, looking down or looking up at Jesus as he looks at you. Holding him as he holds you. That whole thing of being in a mutual, intimate relationship with him. Let's go back to Grace and David now to hear more about the wonderful benefits of gardening. So who's involved with the project now? We get a lot of referrals from social prescribers at the medical centres, from various charities, and we are attracting a, a lot of younger people, particularly men, young men aged between uh, late 20s to early 40s, who are unemployed, who haven't worked for many years, and many have mental, social, uh, lack of confidence issues. And they're coming as far as Fleckney of Husbands Bosworth, which are about 10, 
15 miles away on the buses and they come every week and we do some gardening together. But it's not only gardening, but it's also giving them practical skills of building the raised beds, of, of building a shed, of helping them to understand and appreciate more about nature. So it's very um, educational, but it's also spiritual that we are using nature creation as a teaching tool to talk about God and talk about ourselves and how we are stewards uh, within his creation and how we have a special place in it and in his heart. And recognizing that 80% of those guys who come along have never been part of a church before. And so <laughs> any sort of um, reference to the Christian faith has to be very carefully and very appropriately explained and uh, understood by them. So for example, we did a series around trees and there are a number of big trees around the site. And what do what trees teach us about God, about ourselves? And so for example, we did a one about the ash tree, the, the benefits of the ash tree uh, in the environment, and uh, the, all the different insects and butterflies that play host to it. But also the, the ash tree is one of the last to come into leaf in the season. And so we were thinking about patience, patience, the long suffering of God, that he waits for us, he, he doesn't force himself upon us, that he, he invites us to, to come uh, in due season to, uh, to know him. And what does that teach us about ourselves? Well, we need patience with each other and tolerance, although we are very different. Uh, so things like that, we often do a reflection of some kind around our tea break during the afternoon and using also some of the, the old uh, saints like um, St. Patrick, patron saint of organic gardening and other saints days and thinking about them and their real connectedness with, with the land, with creation. And I think, you know, our, our disconnection with God has resulted with our disconnection with the, the environment. That's why we're in such terrible mess mm -hmm. because we haven't, we haven't appreciated those two tandems of, of our relationship with God is also our relationship with creation. And what do you feel that it does for the people who work on the garden? It's really, and of course they, you know, as someone said about the, what is the psychology of gardening, why do we garden? Well, because for them it's a, a safe place and it's also an escape to an escape from coming out of really difficult backgrounds and situations. It's place of identity and ownership that even just sort of sowing a few carrot seeds in the ground uh, one afternoon that is a big achievement and for them to then over the weeks to water to care to uh, weed and do all the necessary tasks that are going around the, growing those carrots and then actually pulling them up and taking them home that that is a huge achievement I know elderberries has really become part of the local area. Can you tell us a bit more about that? We have a, quite a lot of wider involvement from from the community, uh, both in terms of funding and also in terms of um, a lot of companies like to sort of give their staff a way day, a sort of different experience of doing some sort of community voluntary work. And so 
couple of years ago, obviously the pandemic's got in the way, but um, a couple of years ago, we had a huge team from a clothing company, which has had, it, had its headquarters here in the town called Jules. And 16 young people came down and did a variety of different uh, tasks for us, including one team planted up 600 daffodil bulbs oh. along the borders. Mm, oh, brilliant. And um, do you have any advice if someone uh, is listening and, and think they might know a space that they'd be able to set something up like this, maybe a care home near them? Could you could you advise anyone how to get started with that? Well, yeah, I mean, do give uh, anybody my details, Grace. I'd be very happy to talk with them over the phone. I mean, if they're not too far, if they're not in Scotland or in Cornwall, <laughs> I might even come and visit them and sort of give them some further advice. But certainly uh, mm. we do have uh, a short couple of short videos giving us sort of just an idea um, you know, of what we do and some of the projects we're undertaking and some of the stories behind the people who come along.
was The Garden by Carrie Job. Before we go, I'd like to share a poem with you. In keeping with our gardening theme, this is The Garden by Belinda Van Rensburg. I have a little garden, hedged in by a wall, protected from the elements from winter until fall. Whenever I've a little time, I like to sit therein, basking in the sunshine, especially in spring. I often use my rake and shears to trim and keep it clean, snipping here and cutting there, weeding in between, planting, mowing, trimming, sowing, my work's never done, right throughout the seasons and the years the work goes on. Water is its lifeblood, rain falling from the sky, without it the plants will simply wither up and die. During drier seasons, I water plants and lawn, early every morning at the break of dawn. Oh, how lovely and serene, a joy to eyes and soul, a place of wondrous beauty within which I can stroll. The weeding and the sowing, the toil with rake and shears, have produced a haven which improved throughout the years. Our father has a garden hedged in by heaven's host, tended with great love and care by his holy ghost. Each and every moment he is involved therein, trimming, weeding, mowing, as he cuts away our sin. Parasitic plants are ripped out by their roots and all. Rocks and boulders are removed, the big ones and the small. Weeds replaced by everlasting, useful, fruitful seeds. Love grows in place of hate, selfishness and greed. In its midst a spring of pure and living water flows to quench the thirst of all the plants which in his garden grow. Soft rain falling down upon each dry and yearning heart, desiring to worship and belong to only God. Throughout the lives of all the souls who truly do belong, the sanctifying work he has begun goes on and on, teaching us through all the hardships we have to endure, causing us to grow in faith and to become mature. I'm sorry to say we're all out of time today. If you'd like to get in touch with David about elderberries, or if you have any comments, questions or suggestions about anything you've heard on the show, then please contact us on 01858 438 260 or email info at torchtrust.org. So until next week, from me, Marilyn and everyone on the Reflections team, goodbye and God bless. You've been listening to Reflections from Torch Trust.